I think it's your turn. Uh, is it my turn? Yeah. I think I did it last time. Because it, it just jumped right in. I was like, we're going to jump right in, and then and then I did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's you. Hello! <laughs> and welcome to Nerd Critic, a real contender production. I am Jordan. And I am CJ. Uh, Jordan here is our studied and credentialed critic. That's right, CJ. And what are you wearing today, CJ? Uh, I am wearing uh, my my work clothes, so it's a it's a button up. Um, <laughs> but but underneath the button up, I am secretly representing with a Green Lantern shirt. Nice, nice. Uh, and then uh, depending, so my Superman ring is black, mm. but when I wear brown. I switch out my rings according oh. to the color scheme. Okay. So the the ring that has replaced my Superman ring, um, I don't know if you can tell, but it's supposed to be a film strip. It is. It totally yeah. is a film strip. Yeah. So look at that. You know, it's not like nerd nerd, but it's film nerd. It's a little nerdy. Yeah. It's nerdy so, enough. That's that's where I'm at. That's what I'm wearing. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. I don't think I'm. I think I'm as. I think I mean, I'm as are, basic as you, you get today. You are gray t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> I, uh, I belong in some sort of generic catalog. Anyway, um, okay, so today we are talking about Halloween. Yes, and happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. We are recording the night before Halloween. Yes. Like literally, it's like two hours before the Halloween day. It's yeah. quite late. Well, quite late for a father, <laughs> for an old man like me. Now it's just getting started for, a, for us for us tw- childrenless people. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, you'll be partying so hard. Um, so, uh, yeah, I went to see this movie. I literally drove here from the movie. Yeah. Um, and we wanted to record this podcast. We wanted to talk about this movie because tomorrow it's going to go live on Halloween. Is the movie Halloween on Halloween. And um, there's a lot to talk about, I think, about this movie. But first, I think we need to tell them... A little bit, at least, just a, just a taste of the story of yeah, this evening. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, and we won't make a habit of this with the whole Venom situation and now this. Yes. I did not see this movie. <laughs> yes. um, the the reason be, I mean, there's always an excuse. My excuse today is that uh, I was literally at the theater, uh, but like. There was some traffic issues, and then we had to go to a different time, and then the app wouldn't work. And it was a long, sad story. It just was – it went on and on. For both of us, actually. Yeah. It was just it – it was a rough day topped off with your app isn't working, so you have to pay $20 for your ticket even though you have the monthly subscription through AMC. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I am I am <laughs> yes. done. I called you, and I'm like, dude, screw this. <laughs> I'm not going to the movie. I will meet you later to record, and that's that. So I did not see the movie, so I'll probably have little to say. Um, I also don't know horror very well, but I know yeah, a thing so or let's, two. Yeah, so let's start there. Let's start with um, the fact that if it had been um, – if it had been a different kind of movie that you were really enthusiastic about seeing, I have a theory. I think you might have just coughed up the 20 bucks and, and seen it Oh, anyway. totally. <laughs> no question. But this was not a movie that you were very excited I, to see. Yeah, I also wouldn't – I also probably, if I was really excited about the movie, wouldn't have been just all – Pissy and stuff. <laughs> well, you don't need to tell people you're pissy. I, I wasn't going to say anything. Um, <laughs> I, I was. I, I was, was a, a bit of a tood. I was. Uh, <laughs> I was not in a great mood either. Uh, it was. It was a, a, a struggle to get to the theater today. But uh, you, you hear what we go t- go yeah, through we, for you guys. We make huge <laughs> sacrifices. Huge <laughs> sacrifices because we care so much. 
Um, so, CJ, tell me, tell me, give give us a little, I guess, a little summary of your weak need relationship to horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I um, I remember back when I was younger. Don't I have no idea how what age I was, but I saw The Grudge. Mm. I was done. I was like, why would I put myself through this anymore? I mean, I remember. Wait, how old do you think, what did you say you think you were? I was early teens, maybe. Okay. Uh, okay. Maybe a little bit younger. Okay. Uh, and I remember my brother going to see the uh, exorcism of Emily Rose. Mm-hmm. And he was nearly an adult and slept in my parents' room. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I don't understand. I don't quite <laughs> comprehend the enjoyment, where that comes from. I guess adrenaline, but then like later at nighttime in my house, <laughs> I don't want to be terrified. So I've kind of always stayed away, but I got a love for Hitchcock, um, the kind of the OG of that genre. Sure, sure. And, uh, and then I've seen, you know, the occasional one that rides the line between like horror and thriller. Such as? So, uh, such as Saw, okay. such as, I, as a kid, it was really intense, but I haven't seen it since. But do you remember When a Stranger Calls? Ooh, No. Yeah, that one was like I should. maybe it's a terrible movie. I don't know because it's been a really long time. But I remember it like it wrote a line between kind of a horror, like a like a slasher and a thriller. Probably more towards thriller. Um, but I remember that it, it featured the Motorola Razor, <laughs> and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's my that's my very weak need relationship <laughs> with, with horror movies. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. So. Um, I don't have a much stronger relationship with horror. I have, I think we may have mentioned this in the podcast before, but I took a class on it in school. Um, in my undergrad, when I was studying film, one of, our, one of my critical studies classes um, was dedicated to, to the horror genre. Um, and we went through, you know, all the way from Aristotelian tragedy through modern day slasher movies. And like, uh, it was very, very instructive. And I feel like I definitely gained an appreciation over my film studies career uh, for the genre without necessarily acquiring a deep love for it. Um, so I can, I can, I can appreciate and even enjoy to a large extent, um, a good, a a well-made horror movie, but I'm not, I'm not an aficionado. Um, I haven't, I think I've seen, um, I think I've seen bits and pieces of the original Halloween. Um, maybe, maybe most of it at some point or another. And, and some of the other like classics, um, but I certainly haven't seen the like eight films between the original Jeez, Halloween yeah. and, and this one. And, um, and, you know, and I, I, you know, if we hadn't been doing this podcast, it's, there's a good chance I may not have seen this movie either. Um, so, 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 it, so I'm definitely coming at it from a, from a place of, of being a, a, a somewhat more casual yeah. consumer of the horror genre. Yeah, it's definitely, this is not one, like if you're a really, really big fan of, you know, horror slash thriller movies, you're, you're probably going to be yelling at us <laughs> yeah. mentally. Yeah. Through, but, but you know what? Don't turn the, don't turn the, the podcast off yet. Cause we're going to, um, we're, we're probably, there are going to be some spoilers by the way. So like always, you know, always. um, don't, don't expect us to, to preserve that for you. However, I don't think that this movie necessarily, it certainly doesn't end in a way that I think should surprise anybody from the previews. Um, you know, I, I think that there, there, there was a, uh, a, a bit of a contract. I was, I will say this, I was more excited to see this movie than I've been to see any other slasher movie that's come out that in my memory. Um, and it's because this movie has some ideas about what, 
slasher movies even mean and what maybe in 2018 what a slasher movie could be mm-hmm. and and how it can maybe make a little bit of a commentary on not only the genre but like its sort of origins and um so we're gonna get a little bit a little bit geeky here it's not you know because i have i do have are we gonna take are we gonna take this movie way too seriously um is, is that what maybe is that kind of the goal maybe a little bit seriously okay. i think pro- probably i mean i think so okay first of all let me say this um ask me if i enjoy the film Hey, Jordan, <laughs> I know that you saw Halloween today. Did you enjoy that film? <laughs> I did, actually. I Good. did enjoy it. And, um, and it's, very much, it's very much a slasher movie, which is, like we've been saying, not super my thing. Um, I, I don't love feeling afraid. I don't love feeling really devastated and uncomfortable and saddened, which is <laughs> what an effective slasher movie should do. Um, but I very much appreciated how good this movie was. And let me just say, right off the bat, this is my nerd out, por- nerd out portion. This movie was really good. It was really good. Cool. It was, like, very well acted. I, I loved the way the story was constructed. I thought the characters were, like, fun and charming and dynamic and interesting and, like, well-written. The dialogue was snappy. The filmmaking was great. It was really well shot and well edited, like... Just on a, like, pure craft level, like, really solid movie. And, like, very interesting choices. I love the way it opened. It had these, like, really tight close-up shots. Like, this sort of claustrophobic, um, you know, feeling. And then it opened up huge. And then it kind of, it just did this, it it was very good at, like, unbalancing you all the way through. And I, I, I was so impressed with just with the craft of this movie and enjoyed myself. 70% of the time and the other 30% of the time that I wasn't enjoying myself it was because I was really scared or horrified or sickened or saddened which means that, that I mean that's a mark of a good yeah, slash I it mean, was a good slash that's movie. what they wanted and, and I, I I don't speak from a place of authority here so maybe I'm just a noob here at this and it wasn't that good of a slasher movie but I thought it was a good slasher movie and the reason I thought it was a good slasher movie is because if you if the point of a slasher movie is to make you feel crappy when someone dies, <laughs> then then this is a good slasher movie. And the reason that it was good, the reason that you feel bad when someone gets killed is if you really like that person and they're an interesting and believable human being. And that there was so much of that going on in this movie. <laughs> like, there were very few, if any, throwaway characters in this movie. Everybody's introduction was fresh and interesting and charming, and you you really like it was very very good character introductions where you didn't feel like I mean maybe you could say like if you're a, a horror fan and you're like watching it kind of like deconstructing it like oh yeah that person's gonna die that person's gonna die but at no point were you thinking oh there's an, an, another annoying empty human you know fodder for the sure. slasher like never did that happen there's no token black guy who dies first no there's no token anybody everybody in the movie um, you know they could play like there was. You know, there was a there was a lame best friend, like okay. There was like a hot best friend, like okay. There was a you know there were there, there was a blonde that ends up getting killed at one point. You know, so like certainly, like the the tropes are honored, but like they weren't they they were not they did not enslave the movie. True. So like every character had enough substance that when they got killed by Michael Myers, it was horrible. <laughs> like you, it was it was horrible. Anyway. So, so let me ask, um, would you say that that's the greatest strength of this film? Is the, Are the characters? No, I think the greatest strength of the, of the movie is, I think the greatest strength of the, of the film was actually its, um, its purpose. I would say um, story construction was very, very good. So some context. I think this is important. Um, 
if you haven't done some reading or figured out. So there's been a lot of Halloween movies. Um, the first one came out in 1978. This is this is like Wikipedia study here. So dude, 78. Yeah. Halloween's almost as old as Star Wars. Halloween is almost as old as Star Wars. Crazy. Uh, it's yeah, it is. It's absolutely bonkers. And Halloween was one of one of the first modern slasher slasher movies where you get like POV of the of the of the murderer and like there's all that you know those those kinds of things that were sort of they were very groundbreaking at the time. Um, so 1978 classic, you know, classic slasher horror movie Halloween. You know. Mike Myers, Michael Myers as a, as a, you know, one, terrifying one the, villain. One of the first, one like, that kind of started this new. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and, and ushered in kind of the era of the modern horror movie. Yes, exactly. And so here we have this movie from 1978, and it is what? 2018. It is exactly 40, 40 years. years later. Wild. On Halloween. Well, the movie wasn't released on Halloween, but you'll be listening to this podcast. And Jamie Lee Curtis is still a and baller. Jamie, she yeah, is she's, great. She's fantastic. So Jamie oh, Lee cool. Jamie Lee Curtis was in the 1978 version of the movie the what what is termed in this genre final girl, which you may have heard sure. that term before. That term before. It's pretty it's not a it's not an obscure term. The final girl. Everybody knows the final girl is the one who survives. So a slasher movie is all about picking off characters one by one, and then at the very end, somehow the hot chick makes it, you know, and that's whatever. Um, it's pretty gratuitous. It's pretty predictable. It happens every time. <laughs> Not every time, but so often. And uh, and there have been other horror movies that have tried to kind of like, that have, have you know, called that out. It's been, it's such a... It's a forty-year-old trope, at least, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's so I mean, common. There, there's uh, didn't Scream kind of flip it on its head? Yeah. They, they casted Drew Barrymore. She was in all the marketing, and then yep. it was just like immediately kills her. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there's definitely a lot. There's been a lot of self-awareness about this. Um, in this movie, there seems to be uh, there. There is there is a a naked rage at the dynamic of abuser and victim, mm-hmm. and so Jamie Lee Curtis is rage personified. One of the lines you can see even in the preview that she says is, "I've been praying every day that Michael Myers that Michael Myers will escape so that I can kill him." Hmm. Um, and and so is that that's the plot? Yeah, the plot. Well, the plot is um, he's getting transferred to a new prison, and in the midst of the transfer, he escapes. We're not going. I'm not going to get into the soggy details because it's just it's 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 too much. But basically, he escapes, goes on a killing rampage. Uh, you know. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis has seen it coming her whole life. Um, she has a daughter who she is estranged from, and a granddaughter who she uh, wants to have a relationship with, but she's estranged from her family. Sure. And the reason she's estranged from her family is because she's a maniac about about home protection. Hmm. She has built an entire fortress of her home so that when when her you know she has faith that one day she'll encounter Michael Myers again and she's going to be ready no matter what. And so a big part of the movie is about is sort of exploring how how worth it is it to prepare for evil your whole life. <laughs> mm. You know, how worth it is it to sacrifice your family relationships, your your stability, your place in the community, your reputation, everything on uh, essentially a vendetta against someone who hurt you. And um, and it's 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 compelling because the question isn't necessarily answered. Although, uh, I will say at the end, she survives, along with her daughter, along with her granddaughter. 
Um, the last shot is of the three of them in the back of a truck, and in, in the back of a truck as they are leaving a home, their home that burned down because they successfully trapped Michael Myers inside and killed him. Oh. So it's it's very much that's that's the train that this movie is on. So it was not set up for a sequel. Um, you know. Some I, I left before the the after credits scene. If there was one, I heard somebody whispering about it afterward that like you could hear Michael My- Michael Myers breathing. I'm not interested. I don't care. There may be a <laughs> there may be a sequel. There may not be. Um, but uh, I think that as as just its own movie. Um, so this movie was made as a direct sequel to 1978's Halloween. A direct as sequel. if none of the other as ones if happened. none of the other Halloweens happened. Okay, which is really important because. You know, the other Halloweens are a grab bag of all kinds of different successes and failures within Don't the genre, right? Space at one point. I, <laughs> I think, yeah. I there's. I, I also have embarrassingly gotten confused very often between the Halloween and Friday the Thirteenth franchises. I think that they are similar in many ways, but I know they are also doing their own thing. Um, so I. Uh, before going to see this movie, before doing a little bit of research, I mistakenly called the the villain a uh, Jason. I'm like, and then someone was like, "No, that's not your wrong movies, Dude, that, man. That has wrong to franchise all the time." I feel like it. I feel like it would because they're very. I mean, they're very similar. Is, yeah. is Michael Myers uh, a, like large, a big dude? Yeah, he's a big guy. Yeah. He's a big guy in a mask. Yeah, um, I mean, and yeah, Friday the Thirteenth, I think it's a hockey mask. And, yeah, and also, just, yeah. he's like a. a and Halloween, it's just like an like an like a gross, a gross like scary face man person. face. Yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, uh, yeah. So so I liked all of that. I, I liked all of that about the movie. I I think I I think I lost my train of thought. So, yeah, I don't know so if I had you, one. In, yeah, you were you were you were talking about uh, <laughs> the plot, and they they survive and and leave. Yeah. And, so I really like I really liked the dynamic between um, the what what Michael Myers has come to represent culturally, but then what specifically what this movie was very intent on making him represent, and who Jamie Lee Curtis was and who she was embodying in terms of like the psyche of a victim or uh, a person who had been abused, a person who had survived something. And um, how they feel about their abuser, and how they, you know, the, the their response mechanism. So, so do you feel that that was a uh, deliberate undertone of like a, a message of you know b- abuse and a victim and things like that, or was it just a slasher movie? No, it was definitely intentional. Like okay. definitely intentional. This movie wanted very badly to be. Um, a commentary on that stuff, not necessarily like a, a closed book commentary where like this is the this is now the gospel according to Halloween, but rather like let's explore some of this stuff because it's it's it, you know it it feels very relevant and the movie in general feels really smart. Like all the choices are interesting, the scenes are interesting, the way that everything is constructed is interesting and surprising and fresh and like so um, it's not it's not surprising that. That it would want to, it would want to do something a little bit more substantial than just be a slasher movie, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I really appreciated it for that. Cool. So, all right. Would you? What? I, I, so are you done with the nerd out? Is there more to nerd out? Because <laughs> well, I can feel there's there's a. I don't know if it's a tone. I don't know if it's body <laughs> language. I don't know what I'm picking up. But there is something more you want to talk about that isn't necessarily in the positive. Um, you know. You know, I don't know. I don't know, actually. I, I, I feel I'm definitely out of my depth here because um, I'm not a natural lover of the genre. Um, 
And I'm also I'm also still myself. I'm kind of like Jenna. I just I just got out of the movie like an hour ago. So like I'm I'm trying to like chew on how I feel about the way that that dy- that that victim abuser dynamic was treated because you know throughout the whole movie, um, you know before Michael Myers escapes and even in the period after he escapes, there's this you know Jamie Lee Curtis's you know psychological integrity is called into question so often you know like. Like, you need to let it go. Like, you, this is destroying your life. Like, her daughter is taken away at the age of 12 because, like, of, by, by social services because she's been, she's been raised yeah. in a crazy person's home, you know, learning how to shoot and protect herself and all this stuff and, like, spending her time in a cage, to, you know. So, um, the, so there's, you know, there's this whole thing. But then, but then, you know, because Michael Myers exists, she's, you know, she turns out to be vindicated, Right. Like, and he gets out and he kills so many people. <laughs> like, he's just, he so literally. Does, does Michael Myers have, like, do we know of a motive at all? So this is one of the big things of the movie, right? Or of this movie in particular. And I think probably the Halloween franchise in general, from what I understand, once again, not an expert. Um, but that he is supposed to be a kind of embodiment of evil. So he may not be unkillable. But he certainly seems to be pretty tough to kill, and he certainly doesn't—he doesn't—he doesn't seem to have a motive other than to be evil, and okay. to, which typically is the worst kind of villain, right? But the thing that sets Michael Myers apart is he never says anything. He never says a single word, and in fact, in the um, no in the, dialogue, no, no, none. none, not a single word from him, hmm. not a single word, which is a very smart choice. There is a couple of moments that I really loved. Um, I actually made a note of it in the very beginning of the movie because I was like, I was, you know, really keyed in. I was like, how is this movie that has, that is doing really well and is, has this big ambition? How is it, you know, how does, how does a movie like this start, you know? And, um, and it started in the prison psych ward, whatever that he was at. It started with really tight close-ups, um, of things happening in this place to give you this sense of place. Uh, and like you hear sound bites of different crazy people saying crazy things and it's kind of disturbing and then you see this podcasting duo and they're like quote-unquote journalists right and they are recording a very pretentious podcast which feels very relevant in the age of npr (laughs) anyway they are recording this exceptionally like brainy podcast about you know the mind of michael miller and they're trying to dig into his story and so they've had these interviews with his psychologist psychiatrists who have worked with him and and they're trying like to get an Michael interview. Miller? Michael, you... Michael Myers. Myers, okay. Yeah, and so they're trying to get an interview with Michael Myers. If I said Michael Miller, I apologize. Anyway. I should know if it was a different character I didn't know about. <laughs> no. And I was like, that's an no. unwise choice. Uh, Michael, Michael Myers. Myers. So, so they're trying to get a, a, an interview with Michael Myers. And they go in. And this is so interesting because they start out by, uh, by interviewing uh, a doc, his doctor. And the doctor explains that, you know, he's never said any words ever he's never said a single word and um but that he's very present and, he, and and but whatever it doesn't matter point is they get into this place and there's this one of the creepiest scenes um there's this huge like prison yard where prisoners are and you know it's supposed to be so that they can get daylight and fresh air and they're chained to the ground um by like a long chain that with within a square that's painted off so they can't get outside of the square. Like the, the the perimeter of the square is the length of the chain. Mm. So like they're just in these 
this like grid of like squares of these prisoners in this extremely wide concrete area, like really, really big concrete area, broad daylight, bright, bright, bright sunshine. And they walk up to Michael Myers, who's standing motion, motionless with his back to them, these podcasters. And, uh, and they're trying to get him to speak. And so he goes right up to the edge of the square and he's like trying to speak to him. And it gets closer and closer and closer. The camera gets tighter and tighter. And you start feeling like this, uh, like, uh, what's going to happen to this guy? And then he pulls out of his bag the mask that he was able to acquire from somebody else. The mask of Michael Myers. Because you never see Michael Myers' face. Never. And so he pulls out this mask and he holds it up and he says, you have a connection to it, don't you? And he's trying to get a rise out of him. He's trying to get him to say something. But Michael Myers just stands there. And all the other prisoners, all the other like maniacs, the people who are crazy and would kill you if they could get your hands on you, and they spout nonsense and they're you know chained to the ground, are freaking out. They're all like screaming and shouting and yelling and laughing and just like going nuts when he pulls out the mask. And Michael Myers doesn't move a muscle. Mm. And, the, and this dumb podcaster is just like, Say something, Michael. Say something. And then he just keeps saying it, and the music gets crazy, and he's like, and then he screams, "Say something!" And then it cuts to the title, <laughs> and, wow. and he's and he says nothing. And it's so it's so great. It's such a great introduction. The thing I loved about it is that it starts with the villain in broad daylight, like it's as open and as naked as you could make the villain, so that you know that the reason that Michael Myers is terrifying isn't because he's hiding in the shadows, although he does that later in the movie, of course. Sure. It's because he is evil. Hmm. That's the reason he's terrifying. It's because he is inexplicable evil. That is, he's a lock, the locked box of evil. You cannot see inside of him. Hmm. You cannot ever know what is happening inside Michael Myers' head. Um, and so uh, that's the premise, is that here is evil per- personified, and then how do people react to it? Um, so you have a psychiatrist who's obsessed and feels like he has to he has to unlock the secrets. Sure. And that guy, and I'm gonna that gets me to my one of my other favorite scenes, which is when um, uh, oh I'm now I'm, I'm embarrassing myself, which is when uh, Jamie Lee Curtis's character Lori, her granddaughter, who in the film uh, his, his the film's her name's. <laughs> The name of her granddaughter in the film is Allison. So Allison is in the back of a police car um, after the psychiatrist has killed a police officer in order to save Michael Myers' life because he's obsessed with Michael Myers and then crams an unconscious Michael Myers into the back of the police car with Allison. And Allison is just like, you know, like a caged animal, like trying to get away from this horrific figure. Jeez. And um, which is such a good scene. And, and, <laughs> and she has this fantastic like badass moment where she's where she says um and he's you know the psychiatrist is monologuing about how how important it is to to discover this thing and how he thinks you know he can if he can just figure out this one thing he can unlock the secrets of this evil man's mind or whatever after he's killed somebody you know and um and so you're just like you're the worst you're the worst this guy's (laughs) the worst and um and so she says She's, so she's in the back of the vehicle and they're driving. I'm not going to talk about all that. They're driving to the, this, the house where actually where um, her grandmother and mother are. And, uh, and, um, and she, says, she says, let me out. She says, let me out of the car right now. And, I, and, he says, and, and, and she says, and I will tell you, he, he spoke to me. 
because she saw him like after he killed her like one of her best friends and he she's like he spoke to me um and i'll tell you what he said if you stop the car and um and uh <laughs> and, and he's like he's like he didn't speak to you and she's like yes he did one word i'll tell you what it is if you stop the car <laughs> and so of course he does because yeah. she found she found the key right yeah. and so he pulls over and, and and he's and he's like what did he say and he's like let, she's like let me out and, she, and he's and he's like did she say did he did he say judith which is uh his the michael myers sister's name and michael myers apparently when he was six years old killed his sister so that's like he, he started out being a serial uh, killer when he's six years old right evil personified right anyway did he say his sister's name did he say judith and he says judith and michael myers wakes up oh <laughs> and kills the psychiatrist brutally and then Allison escapes, runs into the woods, and off we go. Such a good scene. <laughs> Such a good scene. And and the, the thing that is fantastic all the way through this movie is that the particularly the female characters are not like helpless. They're not this sort of like, oh, save me. I can't, uh, uh, you know? Yeah. Um, and probably the best moment in the film that sort of like just hangs a giant fat lantern on that whole thing is the very end. Um, her daughter, so uh, um, so Lori's daughter, Karen. So it's Lori's the grandmother. Karen is the mother. Allison's the daughter. Karen, spending her whole life trying to get over what her mother did to her, you know, um, winds up in a position where she's at the bottom of these stairs, like looking up, like waiting for Michael to appear, aiming a gun, being hysterical. She's like, you know, crying and you know, shaking, and she's like, and then finally starts saying, and, and Michael Myers, of course, like, has disappeared, and, you know, and she just doesn't know where he is, and she's like, and she starts saying, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I'm so sorry, I, 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 I failed, I can't do it, and she lowers her gun, and Michael Myers like, steps into view, he's like, <laughs> like, now, nah, I got you, and then she's like, and then she's like, gotcha. And then she like, <laughs> she shoots him. Oh man, that's and a, it's fantastic, just right? Direct spotlight. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It it yeah. knows one hundred percent what it's doing, and you get the sense of oh, and which which follows this wonderful moment when, and this is the very end of the movie, so it's as spoiler easy as it gets. Um, so it, the, the the wonderful moment when um, there's this big big turn. So in the entire movie, Michael Myers is just this preternatural ability to appear, you know, in the right place at the right time to kill a person, right? So, like, you just can't get the jump on this guy, you know? And if you do, like, something happens. He's just lucky, right? So, like, um, so so uh, Lori is, like, chasing him, you know, uh, around the house, like, trying to find him, cause, and he's hiding. And, uh, and then, of course, he gets the jump on her. Of course, right? Of course. Yeah. They have this, like, physical battle. She's overpowered, of course, because he's a big... Tall guy, and she's a, an old woman, right? And he ends up like stabbing her, and you're like, "Oh no!" And then she goes over a balcony, and she's like lying motion, motionless on the ground, and Michael Myers is like staring down at her. And then he hears the scream of her daughter, and then the granddaughter is coming through the woods and like getting into the house, and and so Michael Myers is kind of like looking back and like wondering, "Hmm, what do I go next? Who am I gonna kill next?" Right? <laughs> like, mm, games continue, yeah. and um, and then he looks back, and guess what? She's gone. Oh, right. So what's his, so what happens? His the own, entire thing switches yeah, around, totally. and he becomes the victim. Yeah. He becomes he's going through the house. It's the, it's almost identical the way it's shot, where he's going through the house, trying to figure out where she is. You know, 
and and she's she doesn't appear until the very end when he's like you know when he decides to tear the trap door off of this you know this this hiding spot and then her daughter's at the bottom of the stairs and then she tricks him shoots him and then and then Jamie Lee Curtis in all of her glory shows up behind him and then they that's how they end up overpowering him and trapping him in a box and burning him to death so it's a really intentional turn and the whole thing and the and that that's what i love so much about this movie is is the way that everything is constructed is so smart first to scare you to death right and to prove to you that this this guy's unstoppable and he's horrible and if you see him you're probably going to get killed and that's terrible right um and but then eventually that that same really well constructed machine turns around and does the other thing and makes it incredibly satisfying and earns that payoff of the final girl or grandmother and mother and daughter getting the jump on this guy and burning to death, you know? And it's just, and you believe every moment of it because it's so well-constructed. Hmm. That's really cool. I, I mean, the way that you're talking about it makes me want to see it. Um, <laughs> well, good. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, that's great. So uh, is the, are the relationships between the grandmother, mother, and daughter – like good from yeah, no, that, that point? Well, they're very well so I mean, they understand each other now? Well, I mean, you're you know, it, it runs very very shortly after okay. they they defeat Michael Myers and so um, you know, you don't get like it, but you don't need it, right? Cuz like you you see all the setup, you see where their relationship is and you know you know that kind of like the way that that evolves through the conflict of the narrative is that of course they draw together. Of course her daughter is grateful for the preparation of her mother, yeah. you know. And of course she understands now what her mother was dealing with, but she had to face it. She had to see like for herself what this is. And um and there's also something to be said about how um the granddaughter is able to sort of pull it together and help out at the last minute as well and be kind of like smart and canny and able to like you know keep her head on her shoulders and be strong because she was raised by a woman who was raised by a woman who was strong you know so there's this there's this lineage of like of empowerment um so it's not just about like one person kind of like you know having dealt with this terrible thing and now like is prepared but like rather the way that you sort of prepare the next generation and the next generation to deal with the evil that they're going to confront, you know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, there was this really interesting, and I'm still kind of ch- chewing on it a little bit here, but, like, there was this really interesting line where, you know, she's <laughs> earlier in the movie before all the horrible things have started, and actually after Michael Myers has escaped, and so, you know, Lori is freaking out, and she's trying to get her daughter Karen to, like, you know, she's like, you have to come with me, you have to come to my house, blah, 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 and Karen's like, get out of my house. Like, she's like, has a gun. She's like, she's like, keep the gun at least. And she's like, get out, take your gun, get out of here. Like, you are, no more of this, you know? And she, and as she's shooing her mother out of the house, she's saying, the world is full of love and light and happy people and people are good. Like, you don't need to react this way to the world. And she like shoves her out. And there's this very interesting tension because, because it's true, right? The world is full of like yeah. lovely people and good things and um, but it's also there's also really bad things. And so like how do you navigate that, you know? Yeah. How do you be prepared for the things that are terrible without becoming, you know what I mean, a totally. hardened, joyless, paranoid person. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, very interesting it, tensions. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. I uh, I'm going to call out my mother-in-law here. <laughs> I'm going to take this idea of uh, kind of balancing your 
anxiety or worry of the bad with, you know, what's naturally good. I'm going to take that idea and shrink it down really small. Uh, my my brother-in-law was installing fake brick in his house. Mm. And my his mom, my mother-in-law, was extremely worried that a kid was going to trip and hit his head on this fake brick. What was interesting was she never mentioned anything about the nightstands and the desks and the plethora of other things that kids could trip over and hit their heads on. Sure. Uh, but it was interesting because it was like, oh, this is something new. Let me consider everything about this new thing and determine whether it's good or bad. Um, and, yeah, anyway, I was just thinking about trying to balance the uh, the, the anxieties of the world with the good and how we do it on, I think, on a case-by-case basis, right? It's like what if something is presented to you uh, and where we have been in, uh, in bringing what experiences we have with us to determine whether we accept it or don't. Yeah. Just like, you know, Lauren, Jamie Lee Curtis's mm-hmm. character? Lori. Lori. Yeah. yeah, just like, you know, Lori brought in all these preconceived, gigantic, huge notions of, like, terror – um, and, and then somebody who hasn't experienced those things. Uh, it's really interesting to me that a slasher movie, cause you've, you've, you've brought up two, uh, commentaries that are really interesting. This idea of how, how to navigate the world and the other, I, well, three, the other idea of empowering women, uh, and then the, you know, victim and abuser kind of thing. It's really interesting to me. And I think that it's the, it's a, uh, a quality of a really good movie if they can be a slasher movie, a Halloween movie, right? Yeah. Like, like has has quickly become in modern times kind of a joke. <laughs> like the yeah. the Freddy Jason Halloween, you know, uh, Hell Hellraiser, Hellraiser. Yeah. Hell. It's all kind of like yeah. It's like yeah. we make fun of it. The first like really big spoof movie was scary movie, right? Yeah. Like that was. Not, I mean, it wasn't the first. There was Spaceballs and yeah. things like that. But like. It was a really, really big movie because it is a genre that is just very familiar, full of tropes. Yep. Uh, So it's really interesting that you can take a movie like that and with good writing, good storytelling, and some other incredible qualities of 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 acting and you know director and everything that you can still, even in such a a mocking kind of genre, still make an interesting story that like has shares a commentary on a plethora of subjects uh, within the story. Absolutely. Uh, it's something I, yeah, it's something that I love about film and something that I, that I, there's a lot of people who get sick of certain genres and uh, claiming that all stories have been told in that genre. And I just, I don't agree with that in general. And this, this movie sounds like it's a, it's a good exception. Genre is a lot like poetic form, right? Like you, a sonnet is, a, a sonnet is always the same in terms of how many lines and how many, you know, True. how many syllables and like the, the way that it, the way that a certain form of poetry is constructed, but it, but it doesn't matter. Like you can, you can still, you can say an infinite number of things within the form. And that's, I think that's true of any genre. All it takes is being creative and yeah. inventive and willing to be, you know, push the envelope a little bit and you can, try you can, new things. You can claim that with music too, right? There's Absolutely. only so, so many notes. So yeah, only so, so many, many chords and only so, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's sure. it's the same thing. And and so I, yeah, I, I think that, you know, a, a fatigue of genre 
is primarily about a lack of creativity within the genre. It's not about the genre itself. Makes sense. So anyway, cool. great movie. Yeah. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yes. Um, you know, enjoy your scary movies, and hopefully they're hopefully they're a little bit more than just scary movies. Hopefully, yes, they're, they're I do something extra. Um, I did say that I was gonna I was going to uh, do a shout out uh, because I re- received a text from um, her name is Vanessa. Okay, uh, and it was really cool because she texted uh, texted me and was just lit up about how much I, I enjoyed A Star is Born. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, and she just, because it's it's something that she, like, just loved, and, and uh, her husband said it was, like, fine, and it was just kind of, kind of, you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, pretentious. Oh, boy. Um, she was very gratified by your reaction. Yes, for sure. And she, she sent me a text that I'm trying to find uh, that was really cool because it was... Uh, it, it was, it was, I guess, a validation of what we are doing in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just, she talked about the perspectives that we share and, uh, and everything like that. So I think I have it right here. Uh, yeah. So she said, listening to your recap on a star is born. I just love you so much. I wondered what you would think, um, about it because I am obsessed and so we talked about it a little bit, and she liked that I compared it to um, Saving Mr. Banks and things. Uh, and she says, this is such a fun podcast because throughout this whole thing, I have comments and want to jump in and say my two bits. And I was like, do it. Well, there are your two Ju- bits. And I was like, jump in. <laughs> uh, you can always text me. You know, I happen to have her number. Um, but, like, you always, like, with Facebook, with with iTunes, always make the comments. We will definitely talk about, like, if you have an idea, if you want us to talk about a specific movie or even a genre, if it's a if it's a broader thing, we can absolutely do that. We should create, like, an email address for people. We if should. They, if they don't feel like doing Facebook. Well, or... yeah, I, I mean, you can email cj at realcontender.com. There you go. Super easy. CJ. CJ. Real Contender. Little at symbol, but real, but real is with two e's. Isn't yes, it? it's it's a it's a it's <laughs> a, a film clever yeah. clever word play. play play on the words. Yes, yeah. so yeah, you can email. Uh, yeah, leave a review and thank you, Michael Bond Miller, for the incredible music. Yes, that we use every week. Yes, we do. <laughs> Um, and we, when we can afford to pay Michael Bonmiller, <laughs> perhaps we'll get variations <laughs> we on the will. theme. Um, but uh, for now, we're really happy with the music, and we're really happy with all of you guys who listen. And, uh, yeah, um, we look forward to talking again next week. For sure. And, uh, and remember to love movies like a nerd and respect them like a critic. And cut. Cut.